Okay, so 10 years, 10 years as a church. So uh, over that time of 10 years, we've met in five buildings, okay? The first building we met in was a four-room bedroom apartment. It was pretty spacious for uh, a Flagstaff apartment. And so uh, we started meeting there with 20 to 30. We made a a lot of breakfasts after or brunches. I don't know what we were calling it. Um, Some of them were good. Some of them were nasty. And so... Uh, after that, we started meeting in the Seventh-day uh, Adventist Worship Center building, if you've seen that downtown. Seventh-day Adventist, they don't meet on Sundays, so boom. We were like, hey, we'll use that on Sundays, and they let us graciously, and so we met there for a while. Uh, after that, we, uh, we started meeting the Orpheum downtown, okay, right? Like, Modest Yahoo would play, and then we'd come out, and it was like a really great thing, okay? It was, it was pretty nasty overall. Uh, the floor was definitely pretty gross on Sunday mornings, and so we met, we met there for a full three years. The kids' ministry was bananas. Like, it was just gross, and I don't, I don't know how we did it. And so um, eventually we got to move to Flagstaff High School, so we were there for two or three years as well, and that was really great for us too. And then we moved here to Coconino High School. And so those are all the locations. It's a little... 10-year history of us moving around as a church plant. That's actually not too bad. I've heard of church plants who had to move like 40 times in a few years. So we only had to move five times in the last 10 years. So that's uh, pretty good. In those last 10 years, a diff- lots of changes have happened. Lots of things have happened in our lives. For me, instance, I had zero kids 10 years ago. Now I have three kids, okay? Uh, a lot of you had zero kids, or you have uh, more kids now, right? So, or you s- first started having kids, right? I'm looking at the Blairs. You had more kids probably in that time. And then, uh, and then uh, all kinds of things have happened. We've been, we went through COVID together. That was super easy and awesome. And uh, we went through a lead pastor change together. Uh, we, we've been through tragedies together, or some of us in the room have in particular been through tragedies together. And I think through all of that over the last 10 years, I, at least, have experienced God's faithfulness. And I've watched his faithfulness and his steady hand with us over these 10 years. And so I'm thankful for that. So here's what we're going to do today in the sermon. It's going to be kind of like a 10-year anniversary sermon. We're stepping out of our We Want a King series just for today. It'll probably hopefully be a shorter sermon than normal too. But uh, So here's what we're going to do. We're going to start, not quite yet, but we're going to start by watching a video from some leaders in redemption who just care about us and have been influential in our church's life. And then I'm going to kind of give a little sermon that is going to look at two identities we have uh, that I think God has formed in this church. That I feel almost feels unique, but I don't think it's totally unique because I think there's plenty of Christians and churches that live those identities. But there are two things that I just really see in us that God has formed us into. And then I want to spend the last part of the sermon looking at three different things that I hope we grow into as a church, okay? I don't want it to be a burden on us, these things that I want us to grow into. And some of us are certainly living those things out well. But I just want to say, hey, if, if me as, as your pastor gets to go, hey, what, what does the next 10 years look like? Here are some of the things that I want to grow into. And then after I end my sermon, five women from our church, they're going to come up and they're going to lead us through some prayer times together. We're not going to have to pray together. We'll pray individually for that part. Um, but they're going to pray different sorts of prayers of gratitude for what God has done over the last 10 years, but also hopes for what God would continue to do or what God would do anew in our midst. And so that's kind of what today will look like. And so we'll start off, we're going to start off with a video. The video that's playing 
is from four pastors from other redemptions. And so if you don't know Redemption or us, Redemption Flagstaff, we are a multi-congregational church. We are one church in ten locations. We really have a covenant with these nine other churches where we are in deep relationship with one another. And even though we kind of operate autonomously here, we would not exist if it wasn't for those other nine congregations. We would not exist if it wasn't for some of the leaders that we're going to see in this video. And so something you guys don't get to see a lot is certain pastors and leaders that that shape us as a church, that shape me, that grow me as a leader. And, and, and so I picked a few different leaders that I think have had a profound effect on the identity of, of Redemption Flagstaff. And so they're, they're going to be in this video. They're going to share some encouragements, some exhortations, and, and just even maybe some of their own prayers for us as a church. And so we're going to spend a few minutes playing that video. You can go ahead and uh, cue that up now. Redemption Flagstaff, happy birthday, 10 years. Uh, that is no small thing. And Redemption Arizona is celebrating along with you. I wanna tell all of you watching this, whether you're just watching on video or you are sitting in the midst of the congregation today, I wanna to say thank you. Whether you've been with Redemption Flagstaff for a really short time and would identify yourself as new or whether you've been there from the very beginning, all of you have invested something that has made this church what it is. I do want to specifically recognize, again, those of you who may just be watching this, maybe even from another state, or those of you sitting in the congregation who have been with Redemption Flagstaff from very early on. Uh, the truth is your blood, sweat, tears, energy, uh, money, the time that you've given to this church is what makes a church a church. And the churches always exist for those who aren't right now a part of it. We're there to care uh, for those of you who are in, but also have our eyes to the whole city of Flagstaff. And you all have done an incredible job. And Redemption Arizona says thank you to you. The only thing I wanna say to you or exhort you in is continue to look to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, believing fundamentally that he's wanting to touch each individual that's watching this and all the individuals that will come in the future in a very personal way. He wants to personally touch you and express his love to you. And then I'd say, don't let it end on you that there are many people in your city and beyond who need to experience the love of God. And God touches people through other people that know him. Don't underestimate that truth. Be praying for a deep experience of how big and wide and high and deep is the love of God, that you would experience it so that we can then offer it to the whole city of Flagstaff. Redemption Arizona is praying for you. We love you. And again, we say happy birthday. Hey, Redemption Flagstaff, happy 10th anniversary. I'm Luke Simmons. I'm one of the lead pastors in Redemption. I'm at Redemption Gateway. And man, I'm so excited for you guys. 10 years is an incredible accomplishment. I remember when we started at Redemption Gateway thinking, you know, 10 years from now, gosh, that feels like a lifetime. And now here you are, you're at that same place. And I'm just so proud of you and so blessed by you. I've had the chance to be with you guys in some great times and some really fun times, also some really hard times. And I have just been so encouraged over the last years at the spirit that exists in Redemption Flagstaff. You guys really embody 
that uh, value that we talk about in redemption, that we take God seriously, but not ourselves. You are a fun-loving bunch. You care about people. You love and bless the community. I just think the light of Redemption Flagstaff shines so brightly throughout the city. The way you pray for other churches, the way you invest in other ministries, the way you care about all kinds of people in in Flagstaff, whether they'll ever darken the doors of your church or not, uh, you love them and you care about them. And that is the life and the blessing of Jesus flowing through you. So I just want to tell you, we're proud of you. I'm so thankful for you. And I want to encourage you with some words from the Apostle Paul in Galatians 6. He says, and do not grow weary in doing good, for you will reap if you keep going, if you hang in there over time, you will reap if you don't give up. And so that's the encouragement that I just want to have for you. You guys are a blessing. You've been blessed. You're spreading that blessing. You're sharing that blessing. And I just want to encourage you to keep it going. So on behalf of Redemption Gateway and on behalf of the Redemption overall leadership team, we are so proud of you and so thankful for you and uh, happy anniversary. Happy anniversary, Redemption Flagstaff. This is Aaron Daly with Redemption Alhambra and one of the executive leaders at Redemption Church. I am so thankful for all God has done in and through you and love that you are a part of our church family. It's amazing to think back over all of these years that you've gone through ups and downs. And I think I just wanna remind you how faithful God is to hold you, sustain you, and keep you. And what that will help you do is when you look forward to the future, realize he's gonna continue the work that he has started. Happy anniversary, Redemption Flagstaff. God bless you. Hey, Redemption Flagstaff. Some of you know me, but for the, those that don't, let me introduce myself. I'm Frank Switzer, and I'm pastor at Redemption Church Arcadia. And we at Redemption Church Arcadia want to congratulate you, affirm you, and celebrate with you your 10th anniversary as a congregation in Redemption. You know, every single church goes through ups and downs. Every single church goes through challenges. You've had your challenges. You've had your celebrations during these 10 years. Yet, one of the things that you have done consistently is you have persevered through all of it. And, and so now you get to you get to enjoy the fruit of that perseverance. So congratulations on that. And here's one other thing I wanna say about Redemption Flagstaff. You know, Redemption Arizona prides itself in the fact that we are one church with 10 congregations and every local congregation is a local expression of the larger family of Redemption churches. I believe that Arcadia and Flagstaff are actually a microcosm of that vision of our 10 churches. We have many people in Arcadia who enjoy attending Flagstaff when they're away for the, from, uh, for the weekend. They enjoy attending Redemption Flagstaff. They feel like they're in a Redemption church, but it's locally contextualized. And believe it or not, we have a lot of people from Redemption Flagstaff who come down here and enjoy attending our church as well and say, I feel like I'm at home in a Redemption church, but locally contextualized. And so I also feel like we have a special connection. And so in a way, we're celebrating with you because we feel like we're a part of you. So have a great day. God bless y'all. All right. So I hope you guys are encouraged by those guys. Those guys have all been pretty influential in our church, whether you know it or not. I think I have a lot of deficits as leader. We could bring the house lights up again, too. It's uh, not the movies. And um, I like seeing everybody's faces. Uh, so sorry. 
Uh, but I have a lot of leadership deficits, and I feel like those, some of those leaders have been some of the leaders that have really helped me um, grow out of those deficits or grow in the midst of having those deficits or know what to do when I have certain deficits. And so I'm thankful for uh, each of those guys. They've all been huge in informing us as a church, informing me as a leader. And so um, I, I hope you guys are encouraged by what they're seeing on the outside looking in as they visit, as they know people in Flagstaff, as they get to know leaders here, get to know me. Um, uh, that's, those are some of the things they're seeing. And so I'm thankful that they could encourage us this morning. All right, so what I want to do is I, I want to talk about a couple things, that, a couple identities that I really see that God has formed in us and just kind of celebrate those identities. I, I want to start off this way because it's just cool to see the sort of people that God has formed us to be. And then after that, I want to kind of hop into some of the things I hope we grow into over the next 10 years, if, if the Lord wills. And so, uh, so let's start by looking at those a couple things that, that the Lord has formed us into. The first thing is this. If I was going to describe part of your identity as a church, I would say this. I, you guys are feet washers. You guys are feet washers. Jesus, at the end of John, does this beautiful act where he gets down, uh, stoops low, and he washes all of his disciples' feet. And he, he dirties himself. This is right before he's, he's going to get arrested. And he even washes Judas's feet, who's about to betray him. And, and Jesus does all this, and then he essentially says to the disciples, you guys go and do likewise. Church, I feel like you have really listened to that command. I think you're attempting to live that command out. As Jesus washed the disciples' feet, it's almost as if you guys have had that experience of Jesus washing your own feet, and you have said to yourselves, okay, now I have to go and wash others' feet. You guys seek to love others by washing their feet in whatever the modern metaphorical equivalents are. One way I know that you guys seek to wash others' feet is a lot of times in my sermons, I am pushing us to love the world by washing their feet, and you're never offended by that sort of a call. You're never balking at that. You're never saying, Anthony, why are you always telling us to love and to pursue this? You're going, okay, how, how do I do this? I love that you guys are feet washers. I watch you guys wash this church's feet and the city's feet in all sorts of ways. One of those ways is like when I, when I watch you guys build friendships with one another in here, with people you wouldn't normally build, build friendships with. They're just very different than you, or they're, they might even annoy you, but you're like, hey, I'm going to build this friendship with this person. And years down the line, I've watched you have this deep friendship with people that maybe you never would have naturally been friends with them. I think that's feet washing work. I think I've seen how you guys are feet washers, when this, and this has really happened. When outside government agencies have had vulnerable people come into their agencies and they can't quite find help, and then this has happened a few times where they tell that person, hey, go to Redemption Flagstaff. Go to Redemption Flagstaff. Maybe they can help you. Church, that just shows to me that there is something going on in here where, that, where government agencies are experiencing people that come from uh, backgrounds of brokenness and vulnerability, and something about those people are going, I, I have found friendship at Redemption Flagstaff. I have found some level of care at Redemption Flagstaff. 
Guys, that means your feet washers. If outside agencies have nothing to do with the church, are suggesting that people come here, essentially get their feet washed. I see that you guys are feet washers when you guys get excited about the opportunity to tangibly love people. I just love that about our church. If we are giving you guys opportunities to love and care for the city or love and care for each other, you guys get excited about it. It's not another burden for you guys. You guys get excited about that possibility. And so church, one of the identities I've seen God form in this church in particular over the last 10 years is that you guys are feet washers. And that's a beautiful thing that God has made this church to be. And so keep living into that identity. I love that I'm part of a church full of feet washers. So I'm going to have everybody kind of just wash my feet right now. No, I'm just kidding. All right, the second, the second thing, the second way I think we've been formed is I think we're people that love the Word of God and wrestle with the Word of God. I think God has formed us into a people that love the Word of God and wrestle with the Word of God. The Bible for us, it's, it's not an ancillary thing in our church. It's not just like nice to have. It's not just like a, a token of our faith. We, 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 like, we believe it to be like the very word of God. Like we have a high view of Scripture. And I think because we have this high view of Scripture where we love the word of God, I think we often get to hear God speak through Scripture, through his words to us. Right? I probably couldn't be a good pastor at a church that didn't have some level of love for the Word of God. But you guys make it easy for me because of how much you guys love the Word of God. And so I'm thankful for your love of the Word of God. But I think we also wrestle with the Word of God. And I, and I like that we wrestle with the Word of God. Sometimes I, I, I've noticed that, that how we try to understand the Word of God, it reminds me of a wrestling match. It reminds me, actually, of Jacob's wrestling match in Genesis. If you know this story, Jacob's just hanging out, and this angel of the Lord who just looks like some dude comes up, and they just start wrestling as you do sometimes. And they start wrestling, and, and Jacob knows that this is, represents or is the Lord in some way, and, and he won't let go. And he says to the, to the Lord, essentially he says, I'm not going to let go until you bless me. And I feel like in here, where that, what that looks like for us is sometimes we are wrestling with the word, but especially in these moments where, where we're like, God, I don't know what this means. Or God, this bothers me. Or I'm unsure of what to do with this passage. And it's almost like we wrestle with the word and we're saying to the Lord, hey, Lord, I'm not going to let go until you bless me with what this means for me. And so church, I, I, I love that about us. I think it shows us that the Bible, it's not just a religious tool for us, but it, it is dynamic words of the unending God to his people in all times and places. And so church, I love the identity of you. Uh, keep loving the word, keep wrestling with the word, because I, I think that's something God has formed as part of Redemption Flagstaff's culture and identity. All right, now uh, three things, I want to talk about three things I hope we grow into as a church. The three things that if, if the next 10 years I got to pick some of the things we grew into or got better at or did more of, uh, here are these three things. The first thing is this. I hope we grow into being Jesus proclaimers. I, I think that this church is very good at proclaiming Jesus with our lives. Uh, but I also want us to be 
become known for proclaiming Jesus with our words, with our mouths. The gospel, the good news, it's always been proclaimed with words and deeds. And I feel like our church, we can grow in the deeds part for sure, but I feel like our church has the deeds part of our identity down. And I really want our church to grow in this Jesus proclamation using actual words, helping people to know who Jesus is. Look at Romans 10, 13 through 15 with me, which Kianga read earlier, but I'm going to reread it. It says this, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on him they have not believed in? And how can they believe without hearing about him? And how can they hear without a preacher? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. When it talks about a preacher in that passage, it's not talking about me. A preacher was an identity of the early church. It was just something everybody did at different moments and different times. It was a proclamation of the gospel. It was a proclamation of King Jesus. Church, how beautiful the feet of those that proclaim the good news. The good news that King Jesus, God, has come in the flesh. He's come close to us. He loves us. He has lived a life showing us and displaying his kingdom. He went to the cross to give us forgiveness of our sins. And he resurrected to give us new life with him forever. That's good news in all sorts of facets that can explain that more is good news. And what the Bible says about that good news is how can people hear it unless we talk about it? And I think there's just a truth to that. I also think there's a truth to when we display the good, word, the good deeds of God, people will turn and glorify God. That's in Matthew 5. But I also think that our good deeds should be accompanied by, by words about Jesus. I think that the people in your life that are far from Jesus, I wonder if the Spirit has placed them in your life so that you could help introduce them to Jesus or give them a better understanding of who Jesus is. And so I don't want this to be, uh, I don't want this to be kind of a guilty burden. You're like, oh man, I just, I, don't, I need to do, I, I really want this to be born out of our own inward love and celebration of Jesus. So I guess you could say this hope is twofold. I hope that Jesus is so celebrated in our hearts and in our lives inwardly that we can't help but speak about him outwardly. And so church, I hope we become Jesus proclaimers not because you felt guilt-tripped right now, but because the, the Spirit is doing something in us that causes us to want to celebrate who Jesus is. And so uh, let, let us just begin to wonder what stops us from proclaiming Jesus. And let's cultivate a, a church community where we pr proclaim Jesus together and that we would even consistently ask the Holy Spirit to, to make us bold to help us see what opportunities the Spirit is putting in front of us to proclaim Jesus to those around us, right? I'm not saying it has to get weird or, or be like it was in the 80s and 90s and all that kind of stuff. I'm just saying that there are certain ways that God has equipped you personally to proclaim Jesus, and I hope that, that we step into that over the next 10 years. All right, the second thing, the second thing I, I want us to grow into is I want us to become connected prayers. Okay, I want us to become connected prayers. Here's what I mean by that. I want us to be a people that seek 
connection with the Lord by praying and experience a connection with the Lord by praying. I know like in our enlightened, modern times, connecting to the presence of God or to God himself, it just kind of sounds like fairy tales. Or it sounds like, I've tried it, I just can't. Or even we've seen the people like, that really are like always in the presence of the Lord, and we're kind of like, I don't think you really are. You don't have much of the fruit of the Spirit. And so I think we get kind of turned off by this idea to become connected prayers. But the more that I read the New Testament, the more I'm convinced that because of the Holy Spirit in us, that we through prayer can be connected to God in some kind of tangible way. I can't get away from that when I'm reading the New Testament. And I think that probably looks different for each one of us, what that could look like. But I so desire for our church to experience the, the living water that Jesus has by, through prayer in some, in some way. And so I think prayer for most of us, it's, it's a nice thought, or it's something we don't really get anything out of, so we don't really pursue it. But I, I think because of the forgiveness Jesus had given us through the cross and his resurrection, part of the good news of the gospel is you can draw near to God now. You can draw near to his throne of grace, Hebrews says. And I think one of the ways we draw near to God is through prayer. And so church, over the next 10 years, I hope we become connected prayers. All right, the final thing, the final thing that I hope we, we grow into is I hope we grow into a rested people. Not arrested, but a rested people. Some of you will. Some of you will, for sure, on that second one. Um, <laughs> statistics. Statistics. Um, so, uh, <laughs> but I hope we become a rested people. I think one of the ways we could be seen as holy and set apart from the culture around us is if we purposely don't allow ourselves to be swept up into the busyness everyone else in our culture is swept up in. It's just like a normal part of the American identity to say, I'm busy. I'm busy all the time. It's a normal part of the American identity to be like, yes, my best friend, we can hang out. I got something open in six months, okay? Like th this is a normal part of it. We're swept up in this business. And I think one of the ways that we could be holy and set apart as the people of God is if we became a rested people. What if our very way of life included intentional times of finding rest in God or even a weekly Sabbath? What if we had margin in our lives so that when our friends wanted to hang out, we didn't have to schedule something months out? Like there's certainly, sometimes when we talk about this in the church, I think those that are in busy seasons of life, they feel guilty. And so there's certainly busy seasons of life where you're not going to have a lot of margin in your life. That's just how life works. But that shouldn't be what your life looks like for the, the next 60 years or however much you got left, right? You've got less left if that's what your life looks like. We're all going to die of heart attacks. Like that's what's going to happen if we keep living into this. And I think the way of Jesus is resting in God and literally resting and not being swept up in the business of this world and of this life. Jesus said his yoke was easy which sometimes I, I wish I could talk to him, like, personally, one-on-one, -on -one, face to face and go, is it, though? <laughs> like, it doesn't feel that way. 
But what I realize is a lot of us put on the yoke of what it means to be an average American, which is running dog-tired as much as you can, instead of resting in Jesus, resting in his spirit, resting in the Father, taking a literal weekly rest of Sabbath that God gave to us as a gift. And so I hope that we kind of take on Jesus' easy yoke, which is, I think, his way of life, which is rooted in him and his work. And so I hope over the next 10 years, stories kind of abound in here about how we've intentionally created margin and how we have margin in our lives. How I hope stories abound where we go, man, Sabbath was great this week. I hope stories abound in here where we go, man, I am finding rest in God. I'm finding ways to cast my cares and anxieties to him. And so I hope we become arrested people. I think we'll be surprised to see how much of a witness to the God of all creation that is when that's just part of our way of life. And so church, those, those are some of my celebrations of who God has formed us to be. Those are some of the things that I, I hope we become. And I, I just want to kind of close with a little bit of my, my own story. Uh, a little, uh, uh, probably a little over two years ago, I think it was the summer of 2019, I'm mixed up on years nowadays. Maybe the summer of 2020, actually. I was, I was going through one of the hardest summers for me as a pastor. I was the Redemption Communities pastor at the time at this church, not the lead pastor at that point. And I was going through one of the hardest summers of my life emotionally with being a pastor, if I'm honest. I, uh, I didn't like how certain people in our own congregation were treating each other. If I'm honest again, I didn't like how they were treating me at times. And so I just began to break down a lot. I began to really get this thought in my head like, maybe I'm in the wrong place. Maybe I'm like a square peg in a round hole up here. Maybe I shouldn't be here anymore. I don't know what to do. I just, I was discouraged. And I, I still wanted to be a pastor, but I was like, should I be a pastor here in Flagstaff? Maybe I'm the wrong guy for the job. And I felt like the Holy Spirit was kind of speaking to me in that time. Like, no, I'm, I'm keeping you here. And so what I did in the midst of that kind of like just depression and discouragement is I just began to hike a lot. I began to go outside a lot. I began to pray a lot. I began to read a lot more. I began to talk to God a lot more. I began to think about the gospel a lot more. I began to think about Jesus a lot more. I began to think about what his spirit was leading me into more. And what began to happen to me was my soul was refreshed. And I, I, I got a new vision of ministry. And I think my previous vision of ministry was kind of just works-based, if I'm honest. And, and I, I think God kind of refreshed me with a gospel-centered vision, one that was centered in Jesus and his work and what he's done and why that's so good for me and for us. And so I came out of that summer that was one of the worst summers of my life, kind of uh, refreshed and going, okay, Lord, you're real. Like, you're speaking to me in this. I, I should be here in Flagstaff. And then over the course of the fall, one of the worst things in my life ever happened. We had to let go of the lead pastor here, who a lot of you guys know. He was one of my best friends. And it was, it was the, that was the hardest church thing I've ever had to go through. It was the hardest church thing I've ever had to go through. And I had just come out of that summer where I felt like that was the hardest church thing I ever had to go through. And then that happened, but there was this renewed strength I had and weakness 
where the Lord had like ministered to me and done something to me in that second season. And so I, I had a different sort of strength. I had a different sort of resolve because I think I was centered in Jesus and the gospel instead of my own strength. And so here's what happened. I knew this crisis was happening. I knew that we were letting go of this, of this of beloved Vince who we all love, who's gifted, who's a better preacher than me, all these kinds of things. I, I was like, I don't know what this is going to look like. I don't know how this is going to shake out for our churches. Churches don't tend to always do too well in crises. And that's just organizations in general. But I was shocked what happened to me through that crisis. I began to love you guys more. And, and, and hear me, not because the Holy Spirit was like, I'm giving you more of the fruit of the Spirit. No, I think the Holy Spirit was like, you got some issues, man. But what, what began to happen is through that crisis, I began to see who you guys really were. Like this crisis helped me to see the sort of church that this church is. I grew to love our church more because I saw all sorts of beautiful things about you guys. I saw how anti-consumeristic this church was, or we at least aspire to be, in all senses of that word. I saw how much you guys loved me and cared about me. I saw how committed to the people of God you guys are. I saw how financially generous you guys are. I saw how encouraging you guys are. I saw, I saw how we created a place where the Pharisee and the divisive people can't really survive for too long. And maybe I shouldn't like that, but I really like that. <laughs> and, and so I, I just, it was like this, it's like the Lord took me through these hard seasons where I didn't know if I was in the right place and where I went through one of the church, worst church transitions of my life. And it was like the scales fell off my eyes and I got to see who you guys really were. I began to just love you guys more deeply because of who you were, who you are, not because the Holy Spirit was doing some great work in me. And I, I think I shouldn't be shocked by that, but I was shocked by that. And so church redemption, Flagstaff, I'm, I'm so thankful for you guys. I'm thankful for who you are. I'm thankful how you try to follow Jesus in his way of life. I, I'm thankful that you let Jesus center you. I'm thankful that you let the gospel center you. I thank you that you're trying to live out love best you can. I'm thankful for who God has formed you to be. I'm excited about who we, who we will become over the next 10 years, if the Lord wills. Either way, I know he wills that his church stick around. So I, whoever he forms us to be, wherever that is, I'm excited about what that is. And so let's close the sermon by asking the God of all grace, to continue to be merciful in forming us. Amen, church? Amen. Pray with me. God, thank you for this wild thing of starting a church and being a church for 10 years together, being a local body for 10 years together. It's such an incredible thing. It's astonishing to me, God, what you've done and how you've done it. God, help us to celebrate you and all you've done. Let this not be about us, but let it be about you. God, we are just, we're blessed that, that you would do this crazy thing of starting a church here with us and through us. And so, God, if it is your will, and I think it is your will, God, continue us as a church. Help us to continue to grow. 
and prosper as a church. Help us to steward what you get us well. Help us to proclaim you well. Help us to be the church the way you want us to be the church. And help us, God, to, to always seek you and always see you in the midst of that. We, want, we don't want to build something, God, for the sake of building something. We want to participate in the harvest that's plentiful and the workers that are few. Help us to be some of those few workers, God. And so, Lord, we love you and we need you. Amen.